金の音は響く心の中へと広く深く物語のような推しの雫その中に細い線路を築く時間とともに時代は動く流れる推しを静かに動く目を閉じて耳を澄ますバー GOOD BYE 光負けずにしっかり今解き放て誰かに届くまで平行の光はこの向こうに君たちと作っていくストーリー見上げたやつはの星に勝ちの光一瞬の想いに大学時代を色あせるそなくとも左に瞳に映る誰かの叫び風に思いを突きに願いを力あるかけに生きてくんだ今日も見上げたやつはの星に勝ちの光We should probably do the Bleach podcast. I would assume that was what we're here for. Last night, I had to do this.、Uh, I, I was like, I'm going to go lay down and do Sudoku and listen to Bluff City for like an hour and then. Five hours later, I realized it was too late to watch Bleach. <laughs> so this morning,、oh、I, watched, I watched both episodes for the first time and also took all my notes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> to be fair, I also realized yesterday that I had not watched Bleach. So I watched Bleach and I spent like an hour and a half. Like distracting myself while trying to write the summary for episode 10. Because I was like so out of it. I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna. Oh, bleach concept covers. I remember those. <laughs>、uh, So, I like spent like 20 to 30 minutes trying to find like good quality rips of the Bleach concept covers, which, to be fair, I did find them in 320. Like, the, it's, it's fucking good. But. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Welcome to It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co host, Lily. I'm Sam. And we have a podcast guest, Lynn, who's here as always, supporting us from the spirit realm. We have been talking for like 20 minutes about StarCraft. You know, not, not that entire 20 minutes has to make it into the final recording. I, I know it doesn't, but like, we have been talking for a long time about StarCraft. And we should get to talking to Bleach because I have a lot of words. I had not a lot of words about this episode, and then I went and looked something up, and now, then I had a lot. I doubled my word count about this episode. And by doubled, I mean I wrote as much as my previous notes and summary together. We like talking to you too, Lynn. If you want, like, straight up, like, after this is over. Uh, I don't know if my wife's gonna mind or not. I can straight up like, screen share me trying to go through the fucking campaign in StarCraft. I don't give a shit. Just remember, power overwhelming. Aiden、is. says they don't care. <laughs> I'm not gonna do power overwhelming. I'm not gonna cheat. I'm not a fucking cheater, Sam. I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get to the Protoss campaign. As soon as I get to the Protoss campaign, I'm just gonna fucking Reaver drop everything. All, all I've been doing Zerg campaign is Mutalisks. Mutalisks and Guardians. It's all you need. Okay, anyway, Bleach Podcast. I can't keep talking about StarCraft. It's too fun. Okay, episode nine Unbeatable Enemy. We open on Grand Fri. The fuck? Shit! Hold on, I need a, I need a drink. Whiskey or gin? I can go get a beer right now. I will go get a beer. Hold on. I'm saving the beer for after the recording. You know what? For this first episode, I feel like I need it because I didn't really care for this first episode. Well, at least the like, first 15 minutes of it. I'll be back. Danny Liberty was a good reporter. Too good. When his investigation struck too close to the heart of the corrupt Terran Fiddles, he faced a simple choice. Continue his current series of exposes, or take a hazardous new assignment covering the Marines on the front lines of the Kapuru sector. It didn't take him long to decide. Behind the attacks of the Zerg and the Protoss lies the story of a lifetime, but every piece of information blurs the mystery further. Thrown into the middle of a war where the outcome will determine mankind's very survival, the only thing that Danny Liberty knows for sure is that the only person he can trust to keep him alive is himself. What the fuck are you talking about? Liberty's Crusade. The first in an epic new series of space warfare novels, set in the world of the best selling computer game. <laughs> Can we make a StarCraft lore podcast? <laughs> oh, this is. Here, I'm gonna. Before we even start the Bleach podcast, because we're terrible. 
and like are trying desperately to start this bleach podcast. <laughs> this file is gonna be over a gig, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> um fucking I, I'm gonna plug my partner's podcast that has not yet come to fruition, but is going to come to fruition at some point. They are going to be doing a World of Warcraft lore podcast with their friend. They have never played World of Warcraft and never plan to. And it, it's basically going to be like a Sawbones-like dynamic where one of them knows a lot about the topic and the other doesn't. It's called The Learning Crusade, which I think is very good. <laughs> My favorite version of that dynamic is still um, Soundwave, or Sound.Wave, a Transformers lore podcast. Oh my god, you, you know, I I need to get back into fucking Transformers. I never finished Gen 1. It's okay, I never watched Gen 1. I can go on about Transformers for actual literal days, and yet, well, I've, I watched Gen 1 when I, have, when I was a toddler, but <laughs> I haven't watched Gen 1 in a reality where I remember the, the events that happened. Folks, welcome back to Bleachcast. It is currently 12.21pm, or sorry, let me let me put this in like my ASMR voice or something. Hello folks, and uh, welcome to Bleachcast. Uh, it is currently 12.21pm, PST, and I am about to drink a beer and talk about Bleach for probably an hour and a half, and then probably get distracted by StarCraft. How's everybody doing tonight? So, episode 9. Episode 9, Unbeatable Enemy. We open on Grand Fisher, about to eat Yuzu as Ichigo shows up, saving her from his grasp. Karin screams, still in danger, and Grand Fisher insists he still has a hostage. Ichigo leaves Yuzu against a headstone and calls out to Karin, who falls unconscious. Saito runs up, joining Rukia, and Grand Fisher reveals the girl from the day Misaki died. You know... The one Ichigo ran after. Turns out it was a hollow after all. Trauma involving his mother? Oh boy. Yeah. Fucking. I, I mean, I was glad to see the girl again. I, I knew where this was going because, like, I've seen this episode years ago, but. Poor 15 year old. Yeah, it's like, man, this guy cannot catch a break. I was I was a little surprised at how early. Like, I, I thought it would take longer in the episode for them to actually just straight up go. Yo, this is the thing that killed your mom. I did yeah, not, me too. I, I did not expect that to be literally the opening scene of this episode. Yeah, after the last episode where a lot of the drama is, like, Ichigo, like, trying to, like, come to terms with the fact that he probably was the one who, like, resulted in his mother's death. Just, like, immediately they show that girl, and I'm like, oh, so, so we're just going all in, huh? That entire drama about, like, it not being a hollow, maybe... Oh, that that's gone. Out the window. Ichigo confirms this, recalling the events of six years ago once again. Grand Fisher states he doesn't remember six years ago. And the, like, girl's head splits open, revealing a tentacle and, like, a carapace that, like, shoots out. It eventually sheds the body and reveals that the girl is, in fact, like, a lure. Hence where Grand Fisher gets his name. But also, like, her skin that got shed is dangling from it. It's so creepy! I was like, oh sh- Like, Bleach is good when it wants to be like, yo, this is a horror story. <laughs> like, this thing is terrifying. Yeah. I don't like Grand Fisher's design overall, but, like, the lure part of it is really cool. I really liked how, like, I, I thought the shot of, like, the skin, like, sliding down the head, it, like, exposing what looks like bone, that was terrifying. Yeah, it's... It is a horrifying visual, and it's, it makes for, like, oh, okay, so this, this episode just has this tone. I get it. Rukia explains this to Ichigo, stating that Grand Fisher hides himself and uses a human-like lure to attract people with high spiritual energy, increasing his own power with each meal. He's apparently killed soul reapers like this for 50 years, and his favorite target, get this, is women. What a shock. She says this. And it's like, oh, that's like a big thing, and that's why his mom died, I guess. But that would imply that she was being targeted and not Ichigo in the first place. And this never comes up again. There is no reason for this statement to be made. I mean, it does come up again, though. It does come up, like, one more time. We'll get to that. 
Grunfisher laughs at Ichigo surviving an encounter with him before and is like, you were probably my target, but women are way more delicious. There, it came up again. You happy? Fair enough. <laughs> Saito is like, I haven't seen such a gross hollow in forever. And a pissed Ichigo leaps into attack. The battle continues for a bit, with Ichigo stating Grand Fisher is an enemy he will never forgive, and Rukia using another extremely long and useless spell, leading to her getting hit. Her spells are so long, they seem so, like, not useful in combat. But this one looked so cool, though. and It, it does was, look so cool. It was useful. It stopped Grand Fisher in his tracks. Lin says Kubo can only infuse his monsters with the one brand of misogyny while ignoring the other brands he's played off as comedy. And, yep. Too yep. Ichigo begs Grand Fisher not to eat Karin, and GF... I, I, I have shortened it to GF. I might fuck that up a few times. Ichigo begs Grand Fisher not to eat Karin, and Grand Fisher asks if Ichigo would like to be eaten instead. Cider shows up and cuts off one of Grand Fisher's hands, freeing Karin, Ichigo cuts himself loose, and Grand Fisher launches an attack in Karin's direction. Saito attempts to block it, but gets brutally injured. At this point, I write in my notes, Damn, this guy went out like a hero king! <laughs> Please continue for what is presumably your very next line. We get a glimpse of Misaki from Grand Fisher's parted fur, and Saito looks like he's dying. <laughs> Ichigo asks why he would go this far, and Saito states simply that Soul Reapers must always fight, never forgiving Hollows, because only an empty feeling is left when they take somebody precious. You have to protect, Spikey, he says, collapsing. Ichigo's like, you can't die, you're a Soul Reaper. And Rukia's like, actually we can die, press F to pay respects, says Lin. But it turns out that Saito's actually just asleep and, like, snoring, and... Like, Ichigo gets annoyed at this, because Ichigo is always annoyed. I mean, I was mad at this, because I was like... Yeah, no, same! <laughs> I was like, this was such a cool scene, and he had, like, a really good, like, little speech thing, and he goes out like a hero. Great, sweet. Close the book on this character. It was great. Oh, he's just sleeping. Yeah, well, it, I, I thought it was such a weird tonal shift, because, like, the, the rest of this episode is played so mostly serious... And then all of a sudden, it's just like, this character's just, like, snoring on the ground during this fight we're supposed to, like, be super tense for. It starts to rain, and Ichigo gets ready to fight again, telling Rukia to stay back and to shut up. We cut to Kun, who is keeping watch. He asks Karin seriously if she's okay, and then agonizes over having to keep so serious all the time. Back to Ichigo, the fight continues, and Grand Fisher chides Ichigo for telling his friends not to interfere. While Ichigo recalls Saito telling him it's his duty to protect, which happened like literally three seconds ago. Uh, and that he has no idea how Yuzu and Karin must have felt after their mother died. Ichigo once more jumps into danger without thinking, and Grand Fisher calls him on it. I do appreciate that Grand Fisher's like, speech here is, Hey, buddy, you're acting like a shonen hero, and that's gonna fucking kill you. Like, fucking directly. Ichigo coughs up blood and leans on a zompak toe for support. Grand Fisher states he's going to keep toying with Ichigo, and Rukia calls out. Ichigo once more tells her not to interfere and declares, I will defeat Grand Fisher even if my arms and legs are ripped off. Which is oddly specific. But Grand Fisher explains that Ichigo's anger dulls his blade and transforms his lure into the form of Masaki. Every Soul Reaper has one person they can never kill, and this is Ichigo's one person. This is how Grand Fisher has won for 50 years. I mean, I guess that would work for 50 years? Yeah, well, so, I have a thing that I don't, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing this, but it's something I ended up go doing for both of these chapters, is I went, uh, for both these episodes, as I went back and I read these, I read through these fights in the manga. And this is where, I'll get to it after we're done summing up this episode, but this particular fight, has a ton of changes, and almost every single one of them is like, oh, that thing that doesn't make sense in the anime totally makes sense because of this thing in the manga. Like, I'm gonna go over the changes at the end because I think it's there's a lot okay. of stuff that's, like, really interesting, especially for the discussion of this episode. I figure at afterwards we can figure out if this is a thing that we want to keep doing, highlighting the differences between the manga or the anime. Yeah, we can have it be, like, Sam's manga to, corner or like, something. Purely the anime. I, I'd like that. Rukia remembers a silver-haired man who tells her she could save Ichigo at the cost of destroying his honor. And do you really want to destroy his honor, Rukia? 
She restrains herself from helping, pleading for Ichigo not to die. Saito wakes up and runs off. It is, like, the most shonen anime-ass sentence I've ever seen, though. Remember, there are two kinds of battle. The battle to protect life, and the battle to protect honor. <laughs> it's like, alright. I didn't like it either. Uh, Lynn says uh, she didn't like it, and I'm I'm in the same boat. Like, it is very shonen anime, but, like, yeah, that... As Lynn says, and as I was just about to say, it's just an excuse for Rukia to once again not be involved. It just feels like the show is, like, really, really trying to push her to the sideline. And, like, given how the next actual, like, the next big arc goes, like, not getting into spoilers, that's a theme that continues. And I do have the feeling that this episode, as far as the anime is concerned, is something that they treated as a throwaway it's kind of important, but our fina- like our big finale is coming up, like as far as like the twelve episode core is concerned, and I think like it really shows because the the fight is like even compared to like the least impressive fights in the in the show, like this isn't when people are like, oh yeah, Bleach had some really good fights. Definitely not this episode that they're talking about. <laughs> like the yeah. the animations is not quite there. So I feel I feel like a lot of the animation effort and a lot of like the story effort was like okay we're gonna chop up this thing so it fits into one episode or two episodes and just kind of just kind of leave it there yeah i i remembered this fight too then said she remembered this fight and like i remembered it but i didn't remember it for the fight i remembered it for the emotional beats which i don't think hold up as well but we'll get there saito wakes up and runs off Grand Fisher asks if Ichigo can draw his sword to his own mother and laughs. Ichigo rushes in once more when the Masaki lure tells him to put down his sword. Ichigo hesitates and is immediately impaled through the shoulder. Saito arrives on the scene and he and Rukia gasp in shock. Grand Fisher repeats his statement of Ichigo's anger dueling his sword before declaring the next blow will end the fight. He tells Ichigo that he was the youngest, rashest, and weakest of all soul reapers he's ever faced. But the lure starts suddenly radiating light and electricity, and Saito states Masaki's thoughts are manifesting within it? What? It's lingering will. It's lingering will, everyone! It's lingering will! And this is where Ichigo's mom's soul appears like the fucking Virgin Mary to protect him. <laughs> I just... This caught me so off guard. I was like, what? Where is this coming from? It's it's like the fucking like throwaway line where like Karin, like in the fucking, like, Chad Parakeet episode was like, oh, yeah, I, like, connected my thoughts with his because we're around the same age. And, like, is Blitz just gonna keep, like, randomly pulling shit out of its ass like this? The answer is we are convinced, yes. Thanks, Bleach. Thank you, Kubo. Saito states Masaki's thoughts are manifesting within the lure, and Rukia asks if this means the lure recorded her thoughts at the moment of death. Saito says there's no telling how this battle will end yet, Revealing that he does not know there are 356 episodes left of this show. You know, maybe Ichigo dies and then we're like, the sweet soul-reaping adventures of Saito and Rukia and Chad. (laughs) And Chad. Masaki tells Ichigo she's proud of him and that she's glad she met him and the rest of his family. She tells him to live with strength and kindness before ascending into the light, which disappears along with Masaki. Ichigo tightens the grip on his zanpakuto. Anger may duel my sword, but a dull blade is all I need to beat you, says Ichigo, stabbing Grand Fisher. I do like the implication here that is, hey, when Misaki died, her last thoughts weren't, like, terror or anger or fear. Her last thoughts were... I am proud to have been your mom and also, like, Ishin's wife. Yeah. Like, I'm proud to have been part of this family, and I hope that you know that I'm proud of you for growing up. And I'm like, oh, that's, like, a re- that's a really sweet sentiment. This is, like, one of the, like, two emotional beats for me that worked this episode. The, the last one's, like, near the end. But, like, yeah, Masaki's good. Masaki's good. I'm like... That, and that's why she had to die, because Bleach doesn't let a good woman stay. Bleach says, what are women? Women be dying. 
We get a quick moody cut to Orihime walking down the street with an umbrella, wondering if she could connect two hearts like the rain connects the never-intersecting sky and earth once more. She thinks of her brother, and then mentally tells Ichigo that she thinks she knows him a bit better now. I liked this scene. It was it was fine. It's a good scene, because it's like, oh, right, like, like she was on her side, she feels distance from Ichigo, yeah. and she's mourning for her very important lost family. And now that she knows that Ichigo also has this thing, she's like, oh, I, I guess we do have a thing in common that I can probably, I can probably understand how he's feeling right now. And it does show in the way she treats him, like, in the next episode, I feel. Like, she definitely seems a bit more familiar with him, but we'll get there. Character development that actually carries through to the next episode. Yeah, for real. Like, a quiet moment that is actually, when you look at it, kind of incredible. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. This cut to Orihime might be the best part of this episode, aside from, like, the end scene. It really is. <laughs> Back in the fight... Ichigo tears through Grand Fisher's side, and Grand Fisher flies away. Ichigo wants to go after him, but Rukia tells him he can't keep fighting in this state. The battle is over. Ichigo says it's not over because Grand Fisher isn't dead yet. He collapses in her arms as Saito watches silently. Saito then notes admiration for the power Ichigo displayed, and states that Ichigo could become a monster with such high spiritual energy. He says it's time to go home, and tells Rukia he's not going to break up such a serious couple, once again implying that she's like, come of age, and doing the gross Saito shit. His superiors will find out when they find out, and he bids Rukia farewell. Karin and Yuzu rest as the rain clears up. I do like that, like, he's, you know, he's giving, like, that shitty teasing that he does, and Rukia's just immediately, like, do not. Do not even. Like, <laughs> Rukia is the audience. She's like two seconds away from picking up a rock and throwing it at his head. Later, we get a scene with Ichigo back in his body, apologizing to Masaki's grave for not getting revenge. Ishin walks up and tells him that Masaki will be relieved if Ichigo keeps up looking fit and healthy. Ishin pulls out a cigarette and lights it, and Ichigo says he thought Ishin quit. After a drag, Ishin states the one and only compliment Masaki ever gave him was that he looked cool with a cigarette. So every year, he smokes one in front of her grave. Ichigo asks how Ishin can keep smiling, and how come nobody blames him for Masaki's death? Ishin's like, why would we blame you? Masaki would scold me if I blamed you. He states that nobody is responsible for her death. She gave her own life to save her child. Ishin knees Ichigo in the back and tells him to live well, grow old well, go bald well, and die after him, laughing if possible. Ishin can't face Masaki otherwise. This was, like, the actual best scene in this episode. Like, Cool Dad Ishin is probably my favorite character so far. When he stops being a goober and or a pervert, and he just, like, sits down and he has the this, like, just big heart-to-heart. -heart. It's like, yeah, damn, this is good shit. <laughs> I just wish Ishin were like this all the time. Like, I, I wish Ishin were, like, a cool dad and not the, like, goofy dad the whole time. Yeah, like Lin says, thanks Ishin for being a good dad when it fucking counts. <laughs> for real. Ichigo asks if Rukia is listening, and requests to continue being a soul reaper as he wants to become stronger and protect people from hollows. He needs to defeat Grand Fisher, otherwise he will not be able to face his mother. And the episode ends. I had mixed feelings about this episode. I think a lot of the Grand Fisher stuff actually falls pretty flat. Save for, like, the one bit with Misaki where she shows up out of nowhere and, like, talks to Ichigo, telling uh, him, like, her final thoughts. And, like, I think the Orihime and Ashin stuff lands, but, like, it's really weird that, like, the actual main focus of the episode just falls so flat because it, it feels, it almost feels like the episode's not trying to focus on it. Yeah, I am 100% certain that this was treated as was treated as filler to get to a season ender as opposed to the culmination of the first several arcs that it should have been like this is the first like real big emotional moment that bleach has and the manga definitely does a lot better with the material than the anime does and it just feels like the anime kind of drops the ball heavily because all like like they didn't animate a lot of the fighting Right, and a lot of like a lot of the fighting is just them standing there, like talking to each other. 
which is fine. Like, this is a week-to-week anime. You can't have, like, great animation, like, every single week. This is an infinite anime, <laughs> as they call them. But at the same time, like, there, the, the things that got cut from the manga version and how they were either still referenced nonsensically in the anime or uh, replaced with other stuff that just wasn't nearly as good, that's what really tips me off to, like, I don't feel like this particular episode got, like, a, a ton of love essentially like it really feels like just look let's just get this one in the can we'll get this really strong moment with Ishin at the end and then we'll work on the next stuff we're gonna finish our season i feel like when i was younger the like Ishin stuff and like the one beat with misaki and like obviously the orihime shot i feel like those three things together tricked me as a kid into thinking oh wait this was a really emotionally impactful episode but, like, looking at it now, like, it it really, really feels like a lot of this episode was trying to kill time. Lin also has a very good point about the ending. Ishin says, relax and live long, kiddo, and Ichigo's immediate reaction is, alright, time to throw myself into words that can absolutely kill me and also embark on a quest for vengeance that will also will maybe kill me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Taking that lesson to heart. Alright, so I'm gonna go over, like, the changes that I... Like, the big changes, because, you know, there's a bunch of, like, minor stuff and little gags and stuff that didn't make it. I'm gonna go over some of the major changes between the manga adaptation and the anime adaptation for this... Not even, like, this arc. Specifically, like, this fight. Uh, Okay. Like, basically starting with where this episode starts. And you are not prepared for, (laughs) like, how many things that changed. I'm very scared. Saito doesn't exist. What? For one. He does. He does. He doesn't exist. What? That entire plot point is not in the manga. What? <laughs> he just isn't there. Uh, when Khan shows up and takes Yuzu and Karen, Rukia leaves with him to make sure that you know if something else happens, they have someone else. They have like Khan and Rukia there to defend. Them. <laughs> yes, as Lin says, an anime OC had more invo- involvement than Rukia in this fight. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, so, for most of this fight, Rukia isn't present because she's protecting his sisters. Like, she's not even on scene. That sucks! And that's why in the anime she doesn't do anything, because in the manga, she's not there. She's doing- she has a role somewhere else. (laughs) So it's like, oh, well, they made her stay here, but then not do anything. Which is worse, in my opinion. That's- Um, (sighs) During the fight, we get an explanation that Grand Fisher's got powers. Like, he's not he's not just the physical combatant. One of his hands has the power to look into people's memories, and the other hand lets them lets him recreate them as his lore. Like he specifically has the power to look into people's memories. That's why even if he doesn't remember what Misaki looks like, he can recreate her after he stabs Ichigo. Like he specifically has to stab Ichigo before he can like create Misaki. This feels like such a weird divergence. What the hell? Like, it it's not like a huge thing in the grand scheme of how this fight goes, but it's kind of like a big deal for that emotional plot point. Yeah, uh, it, it would be like kind of important to introduce that instead of just being like, oh, Misagi's here. And then like, Misagi shows up and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, if it adds to the plot and that it, it actually makes something make sense, it should be in the fucking anime. Uh, the scene, so the scene where Khan has uh, complains about the eyebrows, uh, about having to frown and it hurts his face muscles to to have to frown so much just to match Ichigo's like usual face, which I think is a great joke, by the way. Agreed. Uh, that scene is longer in the manga again because there's a bit where Khan is outside with Rukia, and he convinces her to go back and help him, because if Ichigo dies, he'd be stuck living as Ichigo and having to live with that family of nutcases. (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) Don't worry, it gets more crazy, because the moment that Ichigo gets stabbed, instead of when Ichigo gets stabbed through the shoulder, in the anime it goes around Misaki, and it hits him in the shoulder. In the manga, it goes through her, and it stabs him in the stomach. But at the same time, he stabs Grand Fisher back. Because at the same time that he's getting attacked, 
with through his mom's like image, which should be the thing that takes him out, right? Because it's a surprise attack. It's he, that's where he wounds Grand Fisher, and that's the end of the fight because he's like, that's where he goes, "Yo, I'm ready to die to do this, and I will kill you." When we switch to Urihime for a moment, there's this big joke with Tatsuki where Urihime's like, "Oh, by the way, I was evicted from my house, and I've been sleeping." Um, in a sleeping bag outside in the street for a week. What? <laughs> and, T- <laughs> and Tatsuki's just like, what the hell? What? What? <laughs> and Urihime just like, pull- she pulls out this sleeping bag, but then she says it's enti- it's just a big joke and she's been carrying the sleeping bag with her for a whole week because she's been waiting for Tatsuki to mention it and so she could make that joke. Because she has been evicted, <laughs> but, she- but she's been sleeping in a hotel. Like, she sleeps at a nice hotel right now because she did, in fact, get evicted from her house. That's fucking funny. Oh, my God. And it's like, okay, I could this part I can understand cutting because, yes, it is absolutely, like, not in tune with the rest of that emotional sequence. And in the manga, it's like it's like a chapter start or a chapter end or something. Like, but it's like, it's such a good moment. And I'm like, damn, this that's is a good a, bit. That's such a good bit. Oh, my God. The, the like, last big change, essentially, is that at the end of the chapter, we see Grand Fisher being, like, bullied slash healed by other hollows, and they're calling him a weakling, and how he didn't use all of his powers during the fight, and then his mask gets ripped off of him, and he turns into, like, this terrifying, more humanoid figure. What? <laughs> and, and it's like... No, show me this. I need to see this. Here it is. Look at this. Shenanigans. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, this design like doesn't get used. I think it's a hundred and fifty chapter, a hundred and fifty episodes or something. <laughs> like, oh my god! It's like, oh damn! Like, oh shit! So this entire like two pages is this group of hollows being like, I we ought to tear you to pieces right now. You ran away without even using all your powers. You played with this guy too much. You should know when you fight a soul reaper, you go right for the head, which is great. Like mirroring for what the Soul Reapers say about the Hollows, right? It's like, oh, there's a society of Hollows that also talk about Shinigamis the way Shinigamis talk about Hollows. Yeah, so, and then it ends up being, like, just the scene of Grand Fisher, like, standing up without his mask, and you're like, damn. Damn. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. We're gonna go ahead and cut to a five-minute break while we talk about spoilers. And we'll be right back with the episode. Good, like, little speech thing, and he goes out like a hero. Great, sweet. Colonel, I'm about to talk about Bleach, episode 10. Casual Soul Realm Assault Trip. <laughs> I can't do it. My, my, my snake's not that good right now. We're going to talk about episode 10, Casual Soul Realm Assault Trip. Which is an incredible name. Yeah, it really is. At an abandoned hospital, an announcer tells the audience where this week's Casual Soul Realm Assault Trip will be broadcasted. Karakura Town, it turns out. Ghostly screams can apparently be heard from the building. A woman on stage wonders what will be seen, and the announcer points to the sky. Welcome, the charismatic medium of the new century, messenger of the underworld, to the stage, Don Kanonji. And we see Don leap out of a helicopter who states, Spirits are always with you, in English, before deploying a parachute. This is so extra. He's, he's a lot cooler than I remember him being, honestly. Because I was like, oh, it's gonna be, here's, here's like the second person of color on the show, and he's just yep. like, this wacky, crazy stereotype. And, you know... Yeah, not he, great! He is, he is, like, super extra. But at the same time, he's a lot cooler in this episode than I remember him being. Yeah, design, not great. Character, I love this character. He's, he's goofy and, like... He's goofy in the right ways, I feel, but... Is it... Okay, real talk, before we even get to the episode, I'm just gonna go ahead and say... The emotional beats in this episode landed for me so much more than the Grand Fisher episode, and that's so whack for me. I'm going. I'm back to my po- my whole thing about how I think that they just kind of fast tracked the previous episode because there is no way, there's no reason that this episode should work so much better as like 
these big emotional plot beats than the previous one with Grand Fisher. Like, this is your, this is your main character's primary trauma and reason for his, for like a lot of his current personality traits. And yet, this goofy episode that honestly, you could, you could remove this episode and it wouldn't change anything in the greater scheme of things. Or it wouldn't change much at all. And yet, the emotional beats in this episode land so much harder. They really do. Well, putting aside, like, the really good dad discussion at the end. Of course. Cut to earlier, Orihime goes, Boo-ha-ha-ha-ha, in Don Kanonji's pose to Ichigo's dismay. Orihime asks Ichigo if he knows what the pose is, and he says reluctantly it's from Casual Soul Realm Assault Trip. Orihime tells him it's a fun show, you should do the pose too! But Tatsuki comes up and like grabs her arms and is like, don't worry, I'll do the pose with you before pulling her away and leaving. Keiko and Mitsuru greet Ichigo before doing the pose and laugh as well. I just want to say the, like, one, I really love like the cadence that Orihime has, because she's like, bo ha 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 And the other thing is like, there's just this really good, there's this really smooth moment where she says Bo and she starts doing it, and then Tatsuki's just like, Bonsai, I'm gonna do it with you. Come on, let's just go over here. I need to talk to you about something. Yeah, for real. And then it the scene just closes out with like Chad and Keigo and what's his face doing it. But Chad just he like he's doing the pose, but he's not moving and he's not saying anything. <laughs> he's just like the Undertaker standing in the background. <laughs> I love Chad so much. Keiko demands to know why Ichigo doesn't want to go to the recording when it's the most popular show around. The only people not going are dead, he says, to which Ichigo responds, Guess I'm a zombie. And Keiko reveals he invited Rukia. She claims to be too embarrassed to perform the pose, and Ichigo notes she's added to her repertoire of tricks. This That was a really funny line. She gives him, like, the fakest curtsy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, hello, Ichigo. We are so happy to go. <laughs> I love, like, pretending to be a normal-ass person, Rukia, because she's so awkward and out, and, like, like anyone who looks at her is just immediately like, what is she doing? Everyone who looks at her is just like, oh, no, she's normal, I'm not seeing anything. Or at least Keigo is. Well, like, because they, they see it, they notice it, and then they're like, you know what, some people are just weird. <laughs> It's really good. Back in the present, he stands in the crowd looking just as annoyed as everyone cheers for Kanonji. The woman on stage asks him what he thinks of the location, to which he states, Smells like spirits! Before doing the pose and laughing. Smoke fills the air and the crew says commercial break. Ichigo says he hates shows about spirits. We then get a shot of Orihime like, coming up to Ichigo and apologizing for what she did earlier. She didn't know how he felt about shows like this, uh, and asked why he came. And he states he couldn't just let his family, who loves the show, come alone. She tells him he's very kind, and he's just like, isn't this normal? And she's like, yeah, normal. Normal. Tatsuki calls to Orihime, and she tells Ichigo bye before running off. This, this is the character development we were talking about last episode, where, like, it already feels like is a bit more familiar with Ichigo, despite, like, her not having to talk to him about, like, the stuff she learned. I also really like, because there's this whole thing, uh, like, throughout the show, Ichigo has shown that if something's bothering him, he doesn't tend, he often doesn't speak up about it, or he just, like, mm -hmm. like, if it's not, like, a dangerous thing, he'll just, like, kind of keep it, whatever, and he, when something's really bothering him, he'll put on a kind face. Like, that's what he did the day before his mom's uh, death anniversary. Uh, and then in this case, like, she has this moment where it's like, oh, Tatsuki told me that you didn't like it, and I realized, oh, I probably made you be super uncomfortable. So she came over and apologized, and I'm like, damn. <laughs> like, what an, emo <laughs> what an emotionally intelligent teenager. This show actually has good characters. It should use them more. For real! For fucking real! Rukia shows up, doing the pose and laugh, and Ichigo is annoyed. She tells him to use this opportunity to relax. What's this event all about, anyway? <laughs> she's, she's like, you know, you've been stressed, you've been, like, doing a bunch of hard work, take this time to have fun, enjoying this, 
like just enjoy this, relax, have fun with your friends, like let your stress go. Also, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it really do be like that, and it's really good. He asks if there are really any souls in the hospital, and she tells him about souls that inhabit specific locations are fixed location Jibakurde, and they assimilate into the earth, making them hard for soul society to detect. They only show themselves when humans invade their territory, as a human invades their territory, causing a hollow-esque howl to erupt from the hospital. Chad asks Keiko and Mizuiro if they heard anything, and Keiko's like, you're creeping me out, dude. And Chad's like, you're right, it's nothing. The howl continues, and Karin says she shouldn't have come, but dismisses it when Ishin asks what's wrong, in a very Ichigo move. Orihime and Tatsuki look to each other in concern, and Ruki explains to Ichigo that this is the cry of a Jibakure, one's here after all. Ichigo's surprised it isn't the call of a hollow, because it sounds so much like one. And Rukia reminds him that hollow occurrences follow many patterns, and the Jibakure shows up in front of the hospital with, like, several chains attached. Taking a second to mention that, like, Rukia's shirt with a little split heart on it, just, like, really good fashion. Like, also, Ichigo's shirt that just says nice vibe. It's good. Like, Bleach can have such good fashion when it tries. I, I was so focused on Ichigo's nice vibe shirt. Especially because it just doesn't feel like Ichigo. I'm just like, can you imagine this mean-faced teenager walking up to you with a shirt that just says nice vibe on it? Con bought it while he was out. <laughs> she continues to explain that one pattern involves Jibakode with the strong attachment to a location being left alone. Eventually it becomes a hollow, as this one is, but it will take a long time. He's on the verge, but he's only a demi-hollow. The hole in a hollow's chest shows its heart has been lost, and that it is now a mass of instincts. The mask shields those instincts from the world. A human's chain of fate is severed when they die, and they normally wait for soul reapers to come help them pass over, but they can become bound to certain objects if they have regrets, refusing to let go of life. Cue classic Rokia bad drawing bit. It's a really good, like, surprise. Like, here's, she brought her sketchbook to this exorcism. I do love this. I'm really worried they're just going to keep overusing this joke and then it's not going to be funny anymore. And yet, so far it is funny every time. So far it is funny every time. The hospital is holding the heart of this Jibakode, who declares that the hospital is his. I'll make lots of money and drink a, and drive a pink Cadillac, not drink a pink Cadillac, Jesus Christ. Commercial break ends and Don Kanonji returns. Spirits are always with you, he says, as everyone does the pose, including Rukia. Ichigo asks if this is even okay, and she tells him it takes a long time for Ajibakure to become a hollow, promising to perform Konso after the event. She explains it will let out a pained scream just before becoming a hollow. <laughs> Lin says real billionaires sip their luxury cars. I agree. Kanonji inspects the spirit up close, who demands to know who Kanonji is, insulting him along the way. Rukia states that unless the hole in his chest is damaged, the spirit should take at least half a year to become a hollow. Right on cue, Kanonji jams his super spirit stick into the hole of the Jibakure, who starts screaming in pain. Nothing bad will happen if we walk down this deserted dark alley. Yeah, nothing bad. <laughs> the announcer states it's a bit early for the stick, and Rukia notes this will speed up the process. Ichigo leaps over the barricade towards Kanonji, before getting pinned by guards, and Rukia falls only to get pinned as well. Out of nowhere, Urahara shows up and pushes Ichigo's soul out with his cane, telling him to get going. Rukia questions Urahara's presence, and Tessai takes Ichigo's body from security. Ichigo runs to Kanonji, who is surprised to see another spirit. He pushes Kanonji back, and the announcer details what's happening. Ichigo asks if Kanonji can see him as well, and sa he says, Duh, I'm the charismatic medium of the new century, and assumes Ichigo is a dead fan of his. Kanonji's fucking hilarious. He is kind of amazing. Also, I think the best, the best joke of this entire episode is the stealthiest security squad showing up behind Ichigo, like, within <laughs> a single frame, and then Rukia jumping forward and also getting one framed. It's really good. Because she runs to them. Like, she runs towards Ichigo, and she's like, come over here, I'll use the, I'll use the glove. 
<laughs> and he then it cuts to him, and it just immediately cuts back to her, also buried by like twelve dudes. <laughs> like, I love how every attempt of them not to make a scene leads to them making a scene. It's really good. It's really good. Ichigo turns and sees the Jibakode suddenly shatter, leaving a cloud of smoke. Kanonji declares the purification mission is complete, and the crowd cheers. Rukia checks her soul pager, noting a demi-hollow will disperse and reform in another location the instant it becomes a hollow. She looks up at the moon, obscured by a ball of light that moves to the hospital roof, forming the demi-hollow's new body. The head pops out and screams before the mask forms, and it roars. Again, Bleach, like, being really good at horror. Because this whole bit is, this whole bit with the mask is like, oh god. Yeah, it, it's scary! I, I, I wish Bleach stayed scary. For ed- for anyone who's listening and who hasn't been watching the episode, the mask basically, like, pours out of the guy's mouth and p- possibly his eyes and just covers his entire head and then hardens. And it's like, oh, God. Oh, God. Kanonji is shocked and Ichigo begins to explain hollows before Kanonji states, it smells like a dangerous spirit. It must be the evil boss come to avenge the purified soul. Ichigo pulls him out of a, out of danger before declaring himself to be the Demi-Hollow's opponent. They retreat into the hospital after a brief clash, and Urdahara states this is just as expected. Ichigo is performing well, despite the conditions. The announcer points out Kanonji is battling an unknown force. Rukia tries to follow them into the hospital, but Urahara's like, no, stop, women can't do things in this show. He does have a bit of a... Well, one, he's got, like, weird ulterior motives of seeing Ichigo fight in this episode. Yeah. But there is also the fight that at this point, the what the audience sees is Kanon, like weird explosions, Kanonji starts flying and goes through the door. Yeah. And then, because they can't see Ichigo. So if Rukia goes, they would just see Rukia running through. True. So it's like, like, it is narratively appropriate that she doesn't go fight. However, it sucks that literally every time she fights, there is a reason for her not to fight. Yeah, for real. Every single time they come up with a reason for Rukia to not fight, and it sucks. Rukia tries to follow into the hospital, but Urahara stops her, saying Ichigo shouldn't have a problem with the hollow that level. Kanonji seems to have some power after all. Kanonji asks Ichigo why they're running, and they bicker for a bit before Ichigo throws him into a wall. Ichigo asks why he should be the one to run, while Kanonji stays, who states, I am the hero. Do you know the ratings for my show? One in four citizens watch. 25%. Do you hear that? Many of the viewers are children and look up to Kanonji, learning what courage is, which is why he can't run away. Ichigo kind of, like, is surprised by this and is like, well, this might be kind of a noble cause, I guess? I, like, so a character archetype that I am a huge fan of, generally speaking, in fiction is the entertainer who can't let his fans down. Oh, same. Especially, and so they'll just like keep fighting even when they're outmatched. And it's like, damn, I forgot Kenoji is like literally like he's this character. He straight up is like, I'm an entertainer, and I can't let my fans down because if they see me running away, then they'll stop believing that they can have courage themselves. It's like shit. <laughs> Ichigo stops him from running out to the crowd stating that it would put them in danger, and Kanonji's very impressed by this for, like, thinking that far ahead, and they both share a short moment of understanding each other's motivations. Ichigo explains that Demi-Hollow is going after people with high spiritual energy like the two of them, so they should stay in the building keeping the crowd safe. They hear the Demi-Hollow roar, and the fight ensues for a bit with Ichigo struggling in such cramped quarters. He, like, gets his zombok toe stuck in the wall, and, like, struggles with it, and then, like, the hollow... Uh, like, spits out the sticky goo at him, and he, like, can't, like, loosen his grip, and then he gets his sword stuck in the Zompakto, fuck, he gets his Zompakto stuck in the Demi-Hollow's, like, shoulder, uh, and it, like, he, like, gets pulled along with his Zompakto up to the roof, because the Demi-Hollow runs. It's really funny. I will note, it's no longer a Demi-Hollow. It's, like, it turned into a full hollow. I, I know it's not, like, a Demi-Hollow, the wiki calls it the Demi-Hollow. That that's like its name. Oh, okay. but yeah, like I do like like I also like the part where Ichigo talks about like, yo, if I'm fight if we're fighting in here, it'll specifically come after us and keep the crowd safe. And it's like, oh yeah, Ichigo is kind of a smart guy. That's part Ichigo's of his character smart. trait. 
Uh, Ichigo's smart and sometimes doesn't just use brute force to fight. Gotta, gotta say, that's another thing, like, I didn't really like about the Grand Fisher arc. Like, I, I understand, like, he was angry, but, like, Ichigo was smart. I, I will grant them that one, though, because it's like, okay, like, the whole thing is that he's he's fighting to the point where he doesn't care if he dies. So True. it's like, okay, he's obviously not, like, thinking. And, you know, Grand Fisher is specifically berating for at him for not thinking. So it's like, okay, fine, like, I'll give you that much, show, but that doesn't redeem the episode. Kanonji follows to the rooftop, asking Ichigo if he's okay. Kanonji fights the Demihalo for a bit, and the Demihalo binds Ichigo to the railing. It leaps into attack, but is stopped by Kanonji, who props his mouth open with the super spirit stick, asking again if Ichigo is alright. Ichigo is like, get out of here! But Kanonji's like, I know my own power, and especially the difference in power between me and my enemy. Lin mentions that this is more situational awareness than proper battle knowledge slash experience, and... You're completely right, but also True. I'm re- I'm reminded of the self-insert not self-insert the anime-only insert OC who was specifically like, "Damn, Ichigo, you have no experience and knowledge." <laughs> I'm like, "All right, that happened for some reason." It's still wild to me that he's just like an anime insert. Kanonchi insists he knows his own power and the difference in power between him and his enemy. He tells Ichigo he's impressed with how he puts the safeties of others first, and asks to call Ichigo his friend. And Ichigo's like, please no. You are my comrade, let me call you my friend. And Ichigo's like, nah, I'm good. Kanoji, like, yells and, like, releases this tiny ball of energy, which he calls the cannonball, which very slowly moves towards Ichigo. And it's, like, this really funny shot where Ichigo's just, like, staring at it, like, uh? And then it, like, explodes, and Ichigo, like, screams, but it, like, releases him from his bindings without hurting him. It's like a firecracker, essentially. Yeah, it's really funny. The super spirit stick shatters, and Kanonji is swatted away, stating he will have no regrets dying if it protects the children of the future. Ichigo performs the final blows, saving Kanonji, who is ecstatic to see he has done it. That sentence is another, like, all-time great, where he's like, Even if this body is broken, if I can die as a shield for the kids of the future, I shall have no regrets in life, friend. I fucking love Don Kenoji so much more than I remembered. He's so good in this episode! He's so good! Ichigo tells Kenonji to wait and watch, and Kenonji watches as the mask comes off of the Demihalo, revealing to him that it was the very Jibakote he thought he had purified. Kenonji falls to his knees and begins weeping. He's like, what have I been doing all this time? I'm so ashamed. And, like, this is, like... The best emotional beat of this episode. Yeah, because he's he is completely horrified. And it's like, oh, yeah, this guy had no idea that what he was doing was like was dangerous slash not helping these souls move on. He genuinely believed that because they would disappear and reappear somewhere else, presumably outside of his range where he could sense them, he genuinely believed that he was helping them move on. And then he realizes it and he's like, What have I done? It's so good. Ichigo then tells him to stop crying because his fans are waiting. Kanonji gets up and he walks to the railing and the crowd cheers for for him below. Ichigo tells Kanonji he has to answer their cheers. It's a hero's duty and the announcer says that the purification seems to be over. Kanonji declares the mission is complete, once more performing his pose and laugh while the crowd does the same. Kanonji tells Ichigo that this was a magnificent battle and he tells Ichigo that he was amazed by his courage and power. He asks if Ichigo can lend his strength from now on, and Ichigo smiles and agrees to do so once in a while, which I loved. I loved that. It's such a good moment, and it's also, like, this is another part where Ichigo shows that he's, he knows what's, like, he's got the empathy to figure out what's important to someone. Like with the parakeet, like with Orihime, and like with Khan, he, like, he drills into, hey, Kanonji, your whole, your belief system is that you are a hero, and if you quit now and like you go into despair, you're going to let down your legion of dis- of fans who are all like waiting for you to show them what courage is. So you know, get up, smile, and like show them that you're doing great, even if you're not, because that's what your personal belief system is. It's it's 
Ichigo is, like, so much better than I remember him being, and I'm very scared that, like, the rest of the show, like, this Ichigo is not what we're gonna get. I'm very scared of that. I'm very scared he's just gonna become Shonen protagonist. Yeah. The two shake hands, and Kanonji declares that Ichigo is his number one pupil, ending the episode. <laughs> That's right. We have 15 seasons to get to that point. <laughs> we do have 15 seasons. Oh boy. <laughs> it's a three plus year commitment. We're we're in it. But like, this this basically means that we have time to sour on Ichigo before he becomes a full shonen protagonist. True. Commitment is a strong word. I agree. I'm <laughs> gonna... <laughs> This, uh, we have been recording for uh, an hour and 30 minutes, actually, only. That's surprising. 20 minutes of that was StarCraft talk. And most of it was the, first, was the other episode. Uh, yeah. This, so, just the, um, the bits with the changes in the manga, there's not a ton of changes in this one. It's most, there's, there's two things that I really wish was in the anime that isn't, and... A couple of like minor things on the side. One thing is that the uh, there's the scene which I sent you the screen caps, which is just Orihime like tugging on Tatsuki's ear, uh, tugging on Tatsuki's sleeve when they can both hear the wailing because she's like, "Do you hear it too?" And they're both like super uncomfortable. We see them being uncomfortable in the show, but not just that little moment of her like tugging on her sleeve, which I think is really cute. Okay, they're wives, hundred percent. They're wives. And there's also a scene where when Ichigo, like, causes a commotion, two things happen. One, people around the city, because it's the most popular show on TV right now, people around the city in Ichigo's life, including some of his classmates and his teacher, see him. And this is, and this is mentioned in, like, the next chapter. I'm not going to go over what that chapter goes does, because I don't know if the anime does or not. But if the anime doesn't, I'll... I'll talk about it because I think that's important because it sets up like the next arc. Uh, Sounds good. And then the other thing is once Ichigo like turns into a soul reaver form and, and starts fighting the hollow before they go into the hospital, Chad, Karen, Orihime, and Tatsuki all start to see his form. It's implied. It seems to be implied that Chad and Orihime uh, and Karen can just see him straight up. Although Chad might be like kind of fuzzy and that Tatsuki is seeing, like, more of a fuzzy outline, kind of like how Yuzu was seeing Grand Fisher. But, like, it implies that there's that they, they see him, like, do stuff. And then there's also, like, a throwaway gag where uh, Urahara, like, walks up to the security guys, and it's like, oh, no, it's fine, like, it's okay, they're with me. And then they look at him, shadiest motherfucker alive, and they're like, they're with you. <laughs> Someone call the police. <laughs> And then he just takes both of them and runs. And then Chad comes in, because Chad sees that uh, Ichigo is, is like, quote-unquote needing of help. So he starts fighting all of the security guards on his own. <laughs> this is... This is so much. It's such a good gag, because Keigo's like, oh my god, Chad, no, don't. And he's like, Ichigo needs help. <laughs> Ichigo needs my help. And he just hops the fence and he starts fighting with, every, like, both groups of security guards. And that's how Rukia gets away. <laughs> I... I love Chad. I... Why can't we just get the Chad manga? The Chad Chad. Versus the Virgin Grand Fisher. Fuck. That would be so good. This has been an well, Alawash out of Bleach Rewatch podcast. I am exhausted and I want to play StarCraft. You can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore pause. <laughs> this thing is terrifying. Me on Twitter on SSBSLJ. And you can find Lynn uh, at Instagram at LOTE underscore Lake. Lit Lake. And God... We we are really committed to this, huh? Commitment is a strong word. Uh, stay cool, chats. Stay cool, chats. I never felt this empty before.